0: Welcome to Primarily Friends, your guide to the 2020 Democratic primary. I'm Catherine. And I'm Bert. And this week, we're going to be doing a deep dive on... Da, da 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 Joe Biden, who has finally entered the race.
1: Took him long enough. I guess you could say he was Biden his time. <laughs> All
0: right,
1: let's go. Let's jump into it. Let's go! Joe Biden was born November 20th, 1942 in Scranton, Pennsylvania. His full name is Joseph Robinette Biden, and he went to the University of Delaware. And then after that, obtained his JD from the law school at Syracuse University. After graduating from law school, Biden returned to Delaware, where he had grown up after being born in Pennsylvania, uh, to work as an attorney before quickly turning to politics and served on the Newcastle County Council from 1970 to 1972. He was then elected to the United States Senate in 1972, and at the age of 29, became the fifth youngest senator in American history. Joe Biden spent a lot of time in the Senate, considering he was there from 1972 all the way until 2008. As a senator, he had three main areas that he focused on, foreign relations, criminal justice, and drug policies. As far as foreign relations goes, he quickly became the ranking member and then the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, which is widely regarded as one of the most important and powerful subcommittees in the Senate, and during that time, there was a huge issue going on in Eastern Europe, and he was one of the big proponents of NATO doing an armed intervention in Kosovo because there was ethnic cleansing going on there. And NATO wanted to intervene on behalf of human rights and to prosecute and arrest the people who were perpetrating crimes against humanity.
0: And if this was a work of literary fiction instead of real life, you could say it was foreshadowing for his pro-Iraq war vote later on.
1: Yep, absolutely. I definitely think that his support for armed intervention in the Kosovo conflict was very indicative of where he would go later when he voted for the Iraq War. To be fair, as I'm going to give this disclaimer a lot, a lot of Democrats did also vote for the Iraq War, and very few, including Senator Bernie Sanders, voted against it. So it's not like he was out of step at the time, it's just we've looked back at what the Democratic Party position was at the time and realized that it was wrong, but he was a very big proponent of it. Similarly, he also was a big proponent of the war on drugs, famously started kind of during the Nixon administration but really ramped up during the Reagan administration, and he was instrumental in passing several big bills in the Senate that aided the presidential quote war on drugs and Enforcing um, three strikes, you're out rules, which imposed very harsh minimum sentences on low level drug offenses. Yikes. Yeah. Big yikes.
0: That's all I've got to say about that
1: one. Once again, lots of Democrats voted for it at the time, including eventually in the Senate, Hillary Clinton, and um, the president at the time in the late 90s, Bill Clinton. This was third-way centrist Democrat orthodoxy, and Joe Biden was riding that centrist train. Beep,
0: beep, beep, choo-choo-choo, I guess. Not beep,
1: beep. Yeah. And once again, we've kind of moved on from that and have realized that the the democratic way of thinking about the war on drugs in the 90s was bad and not the right thing. And so, once again, it looks like he was kind of on the wrong side of history, along with lots of other people. Finally, can't talk about war on drugs without talking about criminal justice. And uh, as I touched on before, the three strikes and you're out rule was something that he was a big proponent of. And has honestly resulted in a very large population of criminal inmates being in jail for really low level non-violent drug offenses that in my own opinion they should not be serving such long sentences for in prison it's a little ridiculous
0: absolutely especially drugs like marijuana i mean we could have the marijuana discussion but like classifying marijuana in the same category as like heroin is so ridiculous and i think it only leads to injustice
1: absolutely and as hillary clinton found out in 2016 the rest of the democratic voters have moved on to much more liberal stances and have also recognized that these policies had an outsized effect on african-american communities and communities of color in general so not great um Kind of a yikes. Kind of a yikes. Another
0: kind of yikes was when he uh, voted for the constitutional amendment to overturn Roe v. Wade, but he has since said he regretted the vote.
1: Yeah, I read a lot of his interviews from the time and lately um, where people have thought to ask about this. He seems to have been very conflicted, or at least painted himself as very conflicted, directly after the vote. He eventually ascribed his vote towards voting yes. Uh, for two main reasons. One, he knew that the uh, constitutional amendment was not going to actually happen, so he didn't feel like his vote would actually have large-scale policy consequences, and therefore he then felt free to vote his conscience at the time, and at the time he was an extremely devout Catholic. He says he still is, but you know, we, we don't know the man's heart. But he, I don't want to say he blamed his Catholic faith for the vote, but he definitely ascribed one of the reasons he voted for that constitutional amendment to overturn Roe v. Wade to his religious beliefs. Since then, he has said that he regretted voting yes, and feels like he should have voted no. Something he also voted for that has since looked very bad was the Defense of Marriage Act, which, if you don't remember this little gem, was a federal law that pretty much said marriage is a man and a woman, only gays can't get married. This one's also very strange in that every other Democrat, with the exception of I think two, one being Bernie Sanders in the Senate, voted for DOMA. So he was not in the minority on this one. Like, it was generally accepted that the Defense of Marriage Act was right and good and should be a thing.
0: Yikes. Also this this vote was in nineteen ninety six, by the way, guys. Uh not that long ago.
1: Yeah. Not not long ago. The year I was born.
0: Me too. We're babies.
1: Yeah. So uh just another one of those. I was he wrong? Yes. Was he like wrong and in the minority no he
0: just kind of went along with what his party was doing
1: exactly
0: which kind of sucks when your party's doing something bad yeah
1: and most of the 90s and late 80s for democrats was pretty much republican light
0: yeah pretty much
1: if republicans were budweiser democrats were bud light
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: it's true they were just the diet soda version like like the same flavor just somehow worse
0: yeah it's I mean, no wonder Republicans think the left is so radical now.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, when you consider that for so long, because Ronald Reagan was so successful in convincing large majorities of America that conservatism is the way and the only way, and he was so successful that Democrats pretty much had to become Republicans light, of course, any return to traditional leftism, like of the progressive era or of the late 1930s, early 40s, of FDR's New Deal, will be Seen as like the craziest shit ever,
0: like the Green New Deal is right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or I mean, enter any big leftist policies here—anything to combat monopolies or income inequality,
0: or regulate capitalism. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel like we've, <sighs> I've so far been kind of highlighting all of the bad things he did. In the time, oh, there's more though. <laughs> but but I think it's fair. He did do some good things. He was one of the chief authors and sponsors of the Violence Against Women Act, and has been praised by multiple organizations, including Emily's List and uh, the Council and President at the time of Planned Parenthood, for pretty much shepherding that bill, or at least being one of the people to help shepherd that bill to passage. And he also took uh, one of the lead roles on reauthorizing the Civil Rights Act.
0: All right good for you joe
1: so not not all bad like he has done some good things as well but if there's one thing from joe biden's time in the senate that we're going to take away from that that huge career that he'll probably always be known for it's the anita hill hearings
0: dun 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 literally like a day into his campaign he went on the political view i mean it's the view but it's the politics part and he said that he was sorry for the way she got treated but that he doesn't think he treated her badly and he didn't say sorry for his role in it he said he's sorry that she got treated badly by people who weren't him, which was really weird.
1: Yeah, it was very much not like the recent Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, where they were almost given equal billing, they were given equal amounts of time, and there was actually an investigation that the public never got to see the results of that investigation because it was a secret investigation and there are laws against leaking that to the public but at least there was some sort of effort made to investigate brett kavanaugh before proceeding with his confirmation i have a lot of feels about that i'm sure we can we can do a whole episode on supreme court nominations but if we all thought collectively as a nation that the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were rough TM and and just hard and and maybe bad. The Anita Hill hearings were like handled so much worse. So she had credible accusations of uh, sexual harassment in the workplace when she worked for the department that he was overseeing at the time and she was pretty much just treated terribly. The people on the committee, were all old white men who were questioning a young black woman and didn't believe a word she said, pretty much accused her of lying multiple times on live television, and um just were impunitive with their questioning. Now, Joe Biden himself did not insult her, did not do any of this insulting questioning as far as from the recordings I can find, but... He was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which means he was in charge, which means he let this happen.
0: Yeah, like, the whole point of having someone in charge is having someone accountable.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, I, on one hand, I understand that he feels, look, I didn't do any of those bad things. Like, that's true. You did not do, as far as I can at least find in my own personal research, any of those bad, bad, awful things to Anita Hill. But at the same time, you were the person in charge and you didn't stop it. And you were there.
0: And the fact that he, like, won't take responsibility for his role in the problem. It's not like you were just in the room. Like, you were you were in charge. It's your job to handle stuff like this, and you kind of dropped the ball, my dude. And I think it's important to keep in mind also that when, when Anita Hill was testifying, the Senate was 98% male.
1: Yes, and the Judiciary Committee was all male, mm-hmm. 100% male. And
0: her testimony, like, sparked this wave of women running for office. But, like, before this, it was really just an entirely man's world in congress and the
1: senate yes the um congressional elections that took place directly after the anita hill hearings uh became known as the the year of the woman the first year of the women Mm -hmm. um and then obviously we would see a repeat of that in 2018 so that's anita hill
0: let's talk about his personal life
1: (laughs) oh no vp time
0: Oh my god, VP time! I literally skipped it. It's only like four lines. Okay.
1: So finally, uh, he ran for president a couple times, which we'll get to a little later in our discussion. But in 2008, he ran. He lost pretty badly in Iowa, coming in fifth place. But Obama thought he needed a uh, white Midwestern man to balance out the ticket, considering he was a... Uh, black man from an urban city center and uh, he bet right because he beat John McCain and Sarah Palin with his ticket to become uh, President Obama and Vice President Joe Biden he spent eight years in the White House um, and they were really uneventful honestly the best thing to come out of it was that he became bros with Obama there's lots of memes about it they made friendship bracelets It's super cute. And Obama said that he actually gave him a lot of solid advice that he did follow. He sought his opinion out. He being Obama sought his, Joe Biden's opinion out on multiple matters, especially when it came to foreign policy. Um, And the best part of Joe Biden being vice president is that he dropped the F-bomb while a microphone was still on uh, when Obama was announcing the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Didn't realize that he was standing super close to a microphone that was still turned on at the lectern. And he said, wow, this is a big effing deal.
0: I mean, it was a big fucking deal, Joe.
1: It, that's true. It was. It objectively was a big effing deal. But...
0: Oh, am I, not, am I not allowed to say fuck? Are you policing me?
1: No, you, you, you know, this is a free country. You say what you want. <laughs> it
0: was a big effing deal, Joe. You were right.
1: Yes. Just uh, not a good look when the vice president's dropping f bombs. But this was back, I don't know, in like 2010, before we had a president who bragged on tape about grabbing women by the pussy. So. And who
0: curses up a storm on Twitter literally every day. Yeah.
1: So, how far we've fallen.
0: Although, I mean, Trump does get criticized for that a lot. Like, it's not just accepted on Twitter. Like, people do give him shit. <laughs> For lack of a better word for that. So Yes,
1: yes. All of those sanctimonious evangelicals get all get their panties all up in a twist and then vote <laughs> for many ways.
0: Yep. Uh yeah, I think Joe Biden's biggest strength is his ability to like just kind of smoothly avoid doing controversial things. Or at least when he was vice president, he pretty much avoided controversy the entire time. Yes. He was hardly ever in the news. He just talked to Obama in private about foreign policy and did some funny things sometimes, and, like, was pretty chill all around. That was what he did, and he was good at it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he mopped the floor with uh, Paul Ryan in the 2012 vice presidential debate. Which, he did, like, yes, I remember If that. you watch those debates, I'm so sorry, that means you're a political nerd like me, because they're awful, um, but he he, done, he did a done good job in that one.
0: Yeah. He's clearly been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He's got experience. I'll give him that.
1: Yes. Loads. Loads of Loads experience. and loads. Okay. Now now we get to um, the, the hard stuff.
0: The, the sads.
1: Yeah. This is the part of our story where it gets a little bit sad. Joe Biden has had, obviously, a, a pretty great life being in the Senate for so long and being vice president. And he's very well liked, but his own personal life has also been full of tragedy and loss. About a month after winning his first Senate election, his wife and infant daughter were killed in a car accident in Delaware. And his two sons were also in the car and they were seriously injured. I can't even begin to fathom what that would be like losing your life partner and an infant daughter. Gosh, um... Uh, like what a what an emotional roller coaster going from winning your first Senate seat to losing everything almost. Uh, and he thought about suspending his political career, not taking the seat during inaugurations in January. but the apparently the people around him and his loved ones persuaded him to take the oath of office to join the Senate that January in 1973, which, you know, once he was in, he was in. He went on to win re-election six times in a row, and he became Delaware's longest-serving senator. But what a tragic way to... To start your
0: political career, yeah.
1: He did eventually remarry in 1977. He married Dr. Jill Jacobs, uh, who is now um, an educator and college professor, and they later had another daughter. And then that was not it. Um, while he was vice president, his one of his sons that was in the car that day that his first wife and first daughter um, were killed, Bo was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer.
0: And I think we might have mentioned that Joe Biden was thinking of running in 2016, and one of the reasons he didn't run was that Bo Biden died of brain cancer in 2015.
1: Yeah. If you haven't yet, there is an interview Joe Biden did in in 2016 with Stephen Colbert on The Late Show, and it is um, not only one of the best interviews Stephen Colbert has ever done, one of the best interviews Joe Biden has ever done, I firmly believe that it is one of the best interviews ever recorded on television, Um, and it's raw, it's emotional, they talk about Bo, they talk about his life, and um there's no there's no bullshit in it there's no veneer there's no like fake fakery or anything like that we'll link it in the show description it is absolutely worth a a watch it's just incredible so that's why he didn't run in 2016 uh because he was mourning the loss of his son
0: and also because he was discouraged to run also by by obama
1: yeah president obama sent a senior advisor to him and said uh hey, look, we're putting all of our chips behind Hillary, so, uh, yeah, don't do not do it. Don't do it.
0: And he was like, that's cool. I'm going to go chill out for a, a little bit then.
1: Yeah, he kind of disappeared after that. Um, he campaigned for people in Republican swing districts in 2018, but that was really it.
0: And now he's back again for 2020.
1: Okay, so I've, I've been uh, doing most of the talking so far, but I think it's time to share the wealth. Let's talk about why... Why now? Why 2020?
0: So part of the reason why 2020 is that before his son died, he made Joe promise that he would run for president at least once in more time in his life. I say one more time because Joe Biden tried to win the nomination in, in 1988 and did not. And he also tried to win the nomination in 2008, which he also did not, obviously, because he ended up being the vice president instead. So yeah, he had two failed tries. And now he's back again in 2020.
1: I think that's a pretty big motivator. I mean, if if your adult son makes you promise him that you're going to run for president and then he dies, like, geez, y- y- you better run for president. Yeah,
0: like... but don't do it in 2016 because Hillary is running, so you can't. Cause,
1: yeah, because that's her turn. It's her turn. <laughs>
0: oh, my God.
1: Sorry, I'm a little salty about it still.
0: I am also salty about it, but it's okay. So, why 2020? Joe Biden seems to have this idea that he is the best person to beat Trump, which literally every 2020 candidate has said.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much table stakes at this point.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much just like, they all are like, yeah, let's beat Trump. His, literally, his donation page says, give now and let's go. Donate to help beat Trump. So. Oh,
1: so he's like already pitching himself as... Floating above the primary and the person to take on Trump.
0: Yep. And, I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand's doing this, too, but, you know, she's not getting any press about it. Whatever. Um, I'm not salty about it.
1: I don't know. Maybe if she could get her numbers up in the polls. Hmm.
0: Why are her poll numbers so bad, though? Hmm.
1: Because mm, she's not Pete Buttigieg.
0: Could it perhaps be the sexisms? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, she is kind of Hillary, too. But, like, I mean, Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren deserve more definitely...
1: Okay, I'll co-sign that. Yeah. I will co-sign that statement.
0: But I'm just saying, Gillibrand already did this, and now Biden's like... it's Him waiting so long was really weird, because it kind of felt like he was like, all right, what's what's going on here? What's, what's the climate? Let me get a feel. And now he's like, all right. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So, I thought it was a pretty smart move, just because everyone announced so early for this election.
1: So early. Even though so early. it was
0: a little annoying for making our twitter cover photo it's fine joe biden i forgive you it's okay i changed it we're good
1: and (laughs) if you don't know what Catherine's talking about you should go follow us on twitter
0: at prime friends pod on twitter follow us and then tweet at us yeah please tweet at us about how much you love joe biden or whatever um
1: (laughs) please 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 do it and tag (laughs) tag just put hashtag Catherine at the end thank you (laughs)
0: Oh, man. I mean, yeah, why 2020? More like, why not 2020? You know what I mean?
1: Honestly, that you could say that for all of them. Exactly. They're all like, screw it. If ever there was a time in modern politics where we won't have a two-term president, they're thinking it's going to be Donald Trump.
0: hmm I'm hoping it's going to be Donald Trump. Gotta say. We're
1: all hoping. We're all praying. That's why I'm voting for Howard Schultz in 2020. Oh, my God. Kill me.
0: I will not. So, real quick before we get into our hot takes, it's time... For the polls,
1: poll roundup,
0: yeehaw! That's a whip crack. Hell yeah! (laughs) So the current 2020 Democratic presidential nominees are polling at Joe Biden is in first with 29.3. He is up from last week by a 6.3%. Sanders is polling at 23.0. He is up a little bit too. I think last week he was at 21. Kamala Harris is sitting at 8.3. Judge is at 7.5. Warren is at 6.5. So Warren has moved up a bit because I think she was tied with O'Rourke last week, who is now at 6.3. So he's a little behind okay. her this week. Okay, good. I know, right? And then Booker's at 3.5. Everybody else is at 1.5 or lower. Klobuchar, Yang, Castro, Hickenlooper, Gillibrand, Ryan, Gabbard, Inslee, and Delaney.
1: wah, wah. wah, wah. wah. But one, 1% is good enough to get you on the debate stage, apparently, so that's a low bar.
0: Oof. That means Gillibrand will not. <laughs> Neither will
1: Jerry. No, Gabbard she's in. not, at, she's not
0: like, at 1%? She's at 0.8, dude.
1: Oh, yikes. No, well, she'll, she'll still get on because she has um, over 65,000 unique donors. All
0: right, all right. Anyway, that was your poll 30 seconds. <clears throat> Now it's time for our spicy takes about Joe Biden.
1: It's time, kids. Tuck in your Taco Bell. It's time for some spice.
0: Oh my god, we're doing this again, huh? Hell yeah. So I don't actually have a problem with Joe Biden. I think he's a pretty run-of-the-mill, boring Democrat, borderline centrist guy. But I do have a problem with the way the media is treating him and the way people are reacting to him as opposed to how they're reacting to other candidates like Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren. So when he announced all of these small journalist sites and even big ones started talking about electability and I think electability is one of those words that sounds academic and sounds clearly defined but is just vague enough that electable can mean white man. And I think a lot of the time people say he's electable and what they mean is he's a white man, which Kind of grinds my gears a little bit because we, as a culture, have this image of a president in our mind, and it is literally the exact same picture except for Obama, and no women have ever held the position. So, when you when someone says the word president, you think of a picture of someone who looks like Joe Biden. Yeah. So we're we're already primed to see him in the White House. You know what I mean? Absolutely. NPR had an article about Joe Biden as a white straight man, is he the safest bet against Trump, right? And as we've already said, Joe Biden has positioned himself as the best candidate to beat Trump. And in the article, they break down this weird phenomenon where people keep saying, "Uh, I'd love to vote for a woman, but I don't think that women can win because I think that there are men who would just never vote for a woman and that means that they can't win, right? And I think that that comes from nowhere because we just elected a ton of women and women of color especially to congress and we actually did elect hillary clinton if you were just going by the popular vote she won it's just the electoral college messed everything up hate it (laughs) people actually say this about elizabeth warren they say she's so smart and she would be such a good president but i just don't think she can win and it's like well if she's so smart and she could be a good president and you think that if you told every one of your friends that you thought she would be a good president and encouraged them to vote for her, and then you voted for her instead of not voting for her because you think she can't win for no reason, despite the fact that she's super capable, she would win. <laughs> like if everyone who said that voted for her and got like 20 people to vote for her, she would win. And it's it's really frustrating to see people telling smart, capable women with really good policy that they can't win, because of their gender.
1: Now, what would you say to people who say, you know, we, we tried this in 2016. We had an incredibly smart, policy-oriented woman who had a proven uh, record of success go up against probably the most misogynistic president of the past 20 or 30 years and lose.
0: I would say that that wasn't because of the fact that she was a woman. You know what I mean? Like, I think you think that was unique to Hillary. Well, no, I just think that a lot of people are like, oh my god, this is proof women can't do this. It's like, well, she's the only woman who's ever actually tried to do it. She's the only woman who's gone that far. So you can't say that, like, well, we tried this once and it didn't work. Oh well. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Of course we can try it again. I think that she lost for a lot of reasons, and obviously, sexism played a role. But I don't think that was her main downfall. Like, she didn't campaign heavily enough in swing states, especially in the Midwest. Uh, she did not get the young vote at all.
1: Now, are you, are you concerned at all that that might happen to, let's say, we nominate Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren? I think the
0: main difference between them and Hillary is that Hillary, I think to a lot of people, represented the establishment. Especially because of her direct opposition from Bernie Sanders in the primary. So, I think it was hard for her to shake that image of like, I'm the status quo, I'm the establishment, I'm, you know, big money, I'm the Clintons, we're the Clintons and all that stuff. But like, and then Trump was just this complete wild card, going against tradition, absolutely just going against everything, shitting all over politics and what was considered acceptable. Yes. And I think a lot of people who felt something wrong in this country identify with that, especially people who don't like Democrats anyway. <laughs> or like we're on the fence about it and i don't think you can attribute hillary's loss to just her being a woman i think that's extremely reductive and unhelpful
1: okay okay
0: because i mean it's just like how does she represent all women like how
1: well you said it yourself we've never had any other person and i think people are doing the things that humans do where we base our judgment partially or in whole based off of the past And recent past, and... One experience, yeah. that is, unfortunately, the recent past.
0: Yeah, but, like, I mean, especially someone like Kamala Harris is so different from Hillary, just, like... And, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is so different from Hillary in terms of policy. Oh,
1: yes, a thousand percent agree.
0: So it's, like... Just because they're all women doesn't mean they all are the same candidate, essentially. Like, And I get it. Just because they're white men doesn't mean they're all the same candidate, essentially, Catherine. Don't generalize everyone.
1: Now, now may I ask you a question? <laughs> uh-huh. It's a little controversial. And uh, I just want to make it clear that I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here. Now, there's a pretty common criticism that, let's say, Joe Biden or ugh, Beto O'Rourke um he doesn't represent the best parts of the democratic party because he by virtue of his upbringing being a uh, heterosexual white man doesn't have the lived experience that a black woman in the south has or that a gay man has or that insert any sort of um, minority identity here has do you feel that that goes both ways now like would you feel that kamala harris doesn't have the ability to really address or understand the plight of say uh not to use an extremely overused group of people in the national media but like let's say people in appalachia poor white people in old coal uh coal mining towns
0: so it's not the same thing at all um mostly because white people in general like don't have to think about people of color if they don't want to like they can just ignore those issues especially if they live in a town that's very white like you and i both grew up in really white areas and i didn't really realize the lack of diversity in my hometown until I went to college in North Jersey. And, like, even then, my college was, like, 75% white.
1: Yeah, Ramapo isn't exactly a a bastion of diversity.
0: Once I actually, like, looked at the statistics between my town, like, no, it's actually just that my town is 10% whiter than the national average. And, like, it's... So it's not the same as a black person who has to live in a white-dominated culture, who has to think about white people and, like, navigate through a world made for white people and built around white people and like they have to judge like is this white person gonna give me shit they have to like learn our body language and like it's just not the same like Kamala Harris can easily understand these issues because she's had to her whole life probably (laughs) you know what I mean I mean maybe not Appalachia that's pretty specific right 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 um I found it a little strange that you did compare the general like experience of people of color to this one like really specific group in appalachia because like i don't even know about appalachia <laughs> and i'm like right next to that's it. fair
1: i guess a better thing to have said would be like people in the upper midwest
0: it's a really it's a really hard discussion to have right because it's it's like i don't think you can fully judge an individual's ability to handle issues outside of their own culture yes like you it's it's easy to say like Yeah, well, Joe Biden's a white dude, so he can't possibly understand this. It's like, well, he said some pretty weird things about Obama back in 2008. And Obama, like, sat him down and talked to him about it. And Joe Biden has since, I don't know why I said his full name, and Biden has since come around about that stuff. And, like, obviously they ended up being really close. So I think that he's demonstrated an ability to adapt and to understand issues that aren't super personal to him so I mean I don't think he's like completely out of touch but I do think that he feeds on that out of touch persona yeah a lot yeah like he he goes for that like harmless old man vibe to like keep him out of trouble I feel like and that is what I don't like about him and that is what bothers me about how people perceive him as safe because like just a really carefully cultivated image of like oh i'm just a goofy dude whatever man like a a woman could never do that no one would respect her (laughs) um sarah palin tried doing it and she lost super bad and people made fun of her the whole time that's
1: true i'm trying to think yeah like nancy pelosi couldn't do that um This is a very good challenge. I'm trying to think of high-level government female officials that I could think of pulling that off or have pulled that off. And uh, I'd like to think I'm pretty knowledgeable about, you know, big politicians. Like, I know a lot of names and the positions they held, and I can't... I'm failing at the moment to think of any that could pull off that kind of persona, so to speak, that kind of, like, gaff-prone, oh, well, that's just them, uh, huh, excellent point.
0: So, anyway, that was my opinion about... Not even about Joe Biden, just, like, about the kinds of discussions that he sparks as a person. Yeah.
1: Um, I personally don't share a lot of your issues with him but um if i if i was to have a big issue it would be mostly his moderate stances um now to be fair we share that recording pretty early after his announcement he announced on thursday we're recording the weekend after so his campaign website isn't really complete doesn't have specific policies and he's only done a handful of interviews and he's been very vague. but to be fair so are every other candidate within the first week, they eventually roll out policy details. You know, give it a month or so. But we're all expecting, and he has been dropping hints, that he is going to run as a moderate. And as a progressive, that makes me feel not great.
0: Yeah, I just feel like we should be moving on from that Democrats have to act like Republicans to get votes thing
1: yeah oh my gosh perfect rat perfect circular back to his senate time
0: (laughs) our our discussion about that phenomenon after reagan really kind of solidified it for me like that's what a lot of these moderates are doing like they're just trying to make this work still like nancy pelosi she was around during that time yeah you know it that's the difference like they they're still kind of trying to toe this line, even though both parties are getting more and more diverged from each other. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I definitely think that he, and you could say this to be fair about like Amy Klobuchar, who um, I think we have neglected to mention a lot, um, but we should talk about her a little more um, in discussions because she is also running as a moderate, especially from an upper Midwestern state. Um, And, her and joe biden and you could probably say this about beto as well they are doing this sort of oh well we have to be republican light in order to win in america and i don't i think that was true directly after reagan because he was such a cultural phenomenon and he moved the country so far to the right but i don't know if that's still true today
0: i think it's less true than it's ever been since the 1980s yeah
1: i mean to, to point to some mile markers um president obama winning two terms and um to be fair as a super progressive obama fell short in some key ways for me but he was very liberal especially compared to like bill clinton and um you know, also Bernie Sanders running as a Democratic Socialist in 2016 and winning 45% of the vote in the Democratic primary.
0: I hope if Joe Biden wins the nomination, he will become a Trojan horse for progressive ideals. That is what that, I'm hoping. That
1: is a good hope. That is, I think that's a good optimistic note to end this discussion on Uncle Joe <laughs> with, because I share your hope.
0: <sighs> or we could just, you know elect elizabeth warren and get our heads out of our asses yep that would or be like great Kamala too harris or you know any other competent person
1: or pete Buttigieg. judge oh, to be fair i'm not all really right, sure if he's right. moderate or progressive because he's pretty squishy you're he's gonna not... die on
0: this buddha judge hill oh i
1: love him so much yes
0: <laughs> all right thank you all for listening very much and if you have any hot takes to throw at us on twitter um maybe think about it first but if you're still dedicated to it it's at prime friends pod on twitter or you can email us primarily at gmail.com
1: don't think just tweet
0: i can't endorse that
1: that's how the president does it don't think just tweet
0: it's true don't think just just tweet yeah just one get mad two tweet three profit
1: exactly i've been bert
0: <laughs> i've been catherine bye bye
1: Poll roundup! Yeehaw! <laughs> Every episode.